Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 173, and another installment of high-performance heritage, the Shelby Dodge era, a special edition mini-series that we're doing focusing on the cars that Carol Shelby had involvement with when it comes to Chrysler. And on this ultra-short episode, we're going to be talking about the Shelby Dakota, which is one of my favorite pickup trucks of all time, right up there with the Little Red Express. So, Without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. The Shelby Dakota was a limited production performance version of the Dodge Dakota Sport pickup truck. Offered by Shelby for 1989 only, it was his first rear-wheel drive vehicle in many years. The Shelby Dakota started with a short wheelbase, short bed, standard cab pickup truck. The 3.9 liter V6 was removed in favor of the company's 5.2 liter V8 with throttle body injection. On paper, the swap looked simple since both engines were similar, but the tight space in the Dakota's engine compartment meant removing the engine-driven fan in front and using electric ones instead. Removing the belt-driven fan increased the stock 5.2-liter V8's output by 5 horsepower, up to 175 horsepower, but torque was 270 foot-pounds. Special wheels and trim, as well as individually numbered dash plaques, proclaimed the car's heritage. At the time, it was the highest-performing pickup truck in existence except for the Dodge Little Red Express truck and would set the stage for later factory efforts like the GMC Cyclone and Ford SVT Lightning. Total production was 1,500 units, 505 in white and 995 in red. One was made in two-tone with red below the stripe and white above the stripe. List price was $15,813 plus freight. So, the Shelby Dakota. Man, what a kick-ass truck. I don't know what it is, but anybody who (laughs) is a diehard Chevy guy and can sit here and tell me that the Chevy S10 looks any better than a Shelby Dakota is out of their minds. (laughs) <laughs> the first of all, just a regular Dakota looked better than an S10. And, you know, truth be told, a long, long time ago when I was working construction, I had an S10 and I always had wished it was a Shelby Dakota or a Dakota for that matter. Um, I really like the Dakota sport trucks and being a Shelby is just a bonus. Um, I think it's awesome that uh, with the heritage that Mopar had with the Dodge Little Red Express, that eventually in the 80s, Carol Shelby stepped up to the plate and brought us the Shelby Dakota. How awesome is that? Um, I've always said that if Chrysler Corporation had just converted the Dodge Daytona into rear-wheel drives and just stuffed 318s in them, they would have been, 
you know, right up on par with the Camaros and Mustangs and Firebirds of the day. But, uh, you know, that didn't happen. However, when you're talking about 80s performance vehicles and you have to lump in a Shelby Dakota in the conversation, that's pretty damn cool. And I would love to find a Shelby Dakota someday. Um, I know they're still out there, but some are just crazy expensive. And the projects, um, they're few and far between. And when they do pop up, they're either, you know, a little pricey or they go really quick or they're complete piles of shit. <laughs> I got to be honest. There was a Shelby Dakota, a white one that I tried to buy. Um, gosh, it must have been a couple years ago now. It was $700, but a tree had fallen and caved in part of the roof. And I was looking at it and I was like, all right, busted windshield. Roof could probably be saved. It's got to be pushed out. And uh, I was on it immediately. And what I thought to myself was, oh, if anything, at least I have all the Shelby Dakota pieces and maybe I can just make a Shelby Dakota clone. So I immediately reached out to the guy, but it was sold quicker than I could reach out and send a message. So unfortunately, I had to pass that Shelby Dakota up. But, you know, I know a couple of people that have them and they're just awesome trucks. And these little Shelby Dakotas, like I said, with the S10, you know, people take those little Chevy S10s and put 350s in them. I know they're LS swapping them now. These little Dakotas do not fret because you can throw a Hemi in one of these things. Now they actually have Hemi swap kits for these things. So you can stick a gen three Hemi in them. And of course you guys know I'm a big fan of the gen three Hemi swaps. So I, I think they make great project trucks. Now I know you guys all know that I love tin grill Dodge trucks. I'm also a huge fan of the second generation Dodge Rams. And of course the Shelby Dakotas. I think they're, they make great projects. I think Mopar trucks don't get, and I shouldn't say that. I was about to say that I don't think that Mopar trucks get the love they deserve, but uh, that would be a, a misquote. <laughs> um, I do think that they get the love that they deserve, but I, I don't think that they uh, that they have um, enough of the aftermarket support that, like, say, the S10 gets. However, things are coming around. You're starting to see more parts available for the swept lines and even the tin grills. Of course, the first gens um, and then, you know, second gen Rams. They've been around forever, so there's plenty of aftermarket support for those. And the Shelby Dakota, I think, is making its way around. So, you know, if you can get your hands on a Shelby Dakota, you know, the total produced was only $1,500. One year only, 1989. So, I mean, if you can get your hands on one for a good deal, by all means, buy it. It's actually crazy because uh, now I'm a manager at this garbage company that I work for. And I don't mean garbage company like an insult. I mean, uh, the drivers of our trucks pick up trash and recycle and stuff like that and yard waste. But uh, the cool thing about my job is I get to see a lot of the area and I get to see some vehicles that maybe, you know, don't don't see much other than their little neighborhood, <laughs> you know, and there just so happens to be a white Shelby Dakota sitting in someone's driveway underneath one of those like metal um, portable carports and, uh, I have the address and your buddy, Chris has some cash. So I think I might go up there. It's in really good shape for being stored outside, but something tells me that the right number may buy it. And I really want to go see what this person wants for this truck. I can say that one of my pet peeves about the Shelby Dakota is that the interior was like maroon. <laughs> and, uh, I really wish they had followed suit with like the 89 Shelby CSX 
red with the gray interior that had the black Shelby um, insignias on the seats. Uh, I think they would have fared better with black interior instead of this maroon. I don't know why they picked that color. Um, it's okay in the white, but on the red, I don't know. There's something that annoys me about a, a bright red truck with like maroon interior. <laughs> I think it's hideous, but you know, um, I'd live with it if I had a Shelby Dakota, I'll tell you that. But, uh, this white one, man, I really want to go take a look at it. I really want to go over there with some cash. And, and now that I have some in my pocket, it might be the time to make a move on a Shelby Dakota. Um, so we'll see, uh, Walter, shout out to Walter. I know you're listening to this right now, possibly. Uh, he's got an awesome little Shelby Dakota that he's turned into quite the little project truck. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes of that thing. Um, they just, they're really cool. For the time, in 1989, who else was building badass trucks? Nobody. So, to have a, a rear-wheel drive, sport truck, standard cab, pickup truck that was performance-oriented... I think that's awesome. So shout out to Mom Mopar and to Carol Shelby for putting together the Shelby Dakota. What an awesome pickup truck and one of my favorites to ever come out of Chrysler Corporation. So, you know, if, if I had to choose between a Dodge Little Red Express and a Shelby Dakota, of course, I'd take the Little Red, but I would really wish that I could have the Shelby Dakota as well. Like I said, they're just awesome little pickup trucks. And it's just, it's cool that they actually may have had an influence on trucks like the GMC Cyclone and the Ford SVT Lightning. And, you know, truth be told, I'm a real big fan of the GMC Cyclone. And let me just say this. I'm a Mopar guy, don't get me wrong. I love Mopars and my heart is always Mopar first. But uh, I'm a car enthusiast and, you know, if I had to choose between a GMC Cyclone and a Ford SVT Lightning, I'm taking a Cyclone or a Typhoon any day of the week. Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this story, but uh, before we close out the show, I guess I'll share this little story here. So I grew up a Mopar kid. Um, aside from a little Japanese commuter car, a little 79 Honda Accord five-speed car that my dad drove to and from work. Um, we largely had Chrysler products, but, uh, in the late eighties, our local Chrysler dealership kept screwing my dad over. <laughs> and so he swore he wasn't going to buy another Chrysler product. So we actually went to Chevy. And, um, so I was kind of torn in my childhood. I loved Mopars. I loved classic muscle cars, but, um, I would always, I would always hold, um, GM above Ford. <laughs> so for me, it goes Mopar. GM Ford. And I say that a lot because uh, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but I may have picked up another classic vehicle. And unfortunately, folks, I know you're going to be pissed when you hear this. So I, I sold the Roadrunner um, in hopes that I would have a bunch of cash left over to put it into the Dart. And I do. So that's awesome. And when I was running the numbers on some things that I wanted to buy for the Dart um, to get that thing um, where I want it to be, I was like, man, I'm going to have some money left over. What, what, what kind of car have I always wanted but just have never been in the right place at the right time or really pushed to get one? And there's a car <laughs> that comes from my childhood. Now, I am going to get so much shit for this. <laughs> But like I said, I, you know, I said I'm a Mopar enthusiast first. That's actually, I, I lied. <laughs> I'm a car enthusiast first with 
a fetish for Mopars. Okay. Um, I, I really do love all cars and trucks and, uh, anything with an engine and wheels. I think it's all cool. Um, everybody's got their own taste. Uh, I just really love Mopars, but having that general motors background as well, I've always had a soft spot for general motors and, um, you know, of course I'm going to say it again. Mopars are always number one in my book, but like, like for instance, my dad, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. Uh, it would blow my mind if I haven't mentioned this, but my dad actually has an 88 Camaro IROC Z. <laughs> it's got the 350 tune port injection. Um, and uh, it, it's a cool car back in the eighties. I mean, it's a mullet machine, no doubt about it, but uh, yeah, that's my dad has a, has a Camaro. <laughs> so um, I've always wanted a Mopar. And now that I have them, I thought, what's another car from my past that I've always wanted that maybe I could afford now that I had a little bit of extra money kicking around. And uh, like I said, I know I'm going to get shit for this. I, I just know it. And a lot of my friends know that I already picked up this car, but uh, I really, ever since I was a child, ever since I was like, I don't know, six years old, we'll say, um, I, I've always wanted a 1980 to 1982 Chevy Corvette. There I said it. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, I saw a black one. And I mean, you could have fooled me. I thought it was Bruce Wayne driving that son of a bitch. I thought it was the Batmobile. Okay. <laughs> I love the 1980 to 82 Corvettes, um, especially in black. Now I did not buy a black one, but I got a killer deal on a silver 1980 Corvette. And I know that Mopar people, oh my God, it, if you're going to stop listening to this show, because I have a Corvette along with my dart. And that I sold a Roadrunner to get uh, some parts for my Dart and get my Dart to have a Hemi in it and make it cool. And then I had a little bit of cash left over to buy a car that has always moved me ever since I was a kid. If you're going to hold that against me, this might not be the show for you. Now, this is probably, I mean, other than little references here and there, I'm probably not going to talk about the Corvette too much on this show. But uh, I did buy one. And... uh you know, I guess I could share the story here. But God, I'm really poisoning the Shelby Dakota episode talking about this Corvette I just bought. Okay, maybe I won't talk about it. Um, cool little story. Uh, it's a cool car. It runs and drives. Um, and uh, secret time, I want to put a Gen 3 Hemi in it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just, I've always liked those cars since I was a kid. And I've named this car the Trailer Park Viper. <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to have a little funny connotation to it or a funny nickname because you know I know a lot of my Mopar friends absolutely hate it and I get it but uh like I said you know it was a a car from my childhood that I've always wanted and now I have one so if you're gonna hold it against me for being happy then <laughs> I guess we're really not that good of friends but um no nah, it's it's a cool car but you know I still looking at that car and my dart I still love that dart more <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's something about that shit box that I just absolutely love. And I cannot wait for it to have a Hemi in it. And, um, you know, I joke around about the Corvette with the Hemi in it, but it's, it's entirely possible with my friend Blake. I think we can get it done. I think we can get a Hemi in that car, but, um, that's for an, another, another show. <laughs> I have been kicking around the, I know the people are like, this guy's out of his mind. <laughs> I, uh, I have been kicking a, uh, uh, around the idea of starting another podcast and 
I, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Chris, you barely put out Talking Mopars episodes anymore. And I, I know that. But uh, as I get back into the swing of things with this new job, I've really been thinking about doing a show um, about project cars and just, you know, highlighting people's projects, no matter what they are. If I think it's cool, it would be on the show. And I, I really just want to celebrate automotive culture as a whole, because I mean, a true car enthusiast will look at anything that somebody's put some 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 effort in, and and at least respect it. You know, respect somebody's effort. You know, whether or not it's something you'd build or not, um, it is beside the point. Uh, for me, I would love to just talk about people's wild project cars or things that I think are cool. So. I'm going to do something. I don't know when, and I don't know what it's going to sound like or anything like that, but I really want to do a, a, a podcast slash um, live show uh, talking about people's project cars. I think that would be really fun. And trucks, of course, uh, because then you just open, open the doors to everything. And like I said, I'm a car enthusiast, so I can talk to anybody about anything when it comes to cars. Um, and there's just so much cool stuff being done out there that I would love to get a chance to talk to people and just see what motivates them, what, what's going through their mind when they build these cars. So for those of you that, uh, you know, are sitting there going, oh, no, the, <laughs> the Mopar guy. We had a Mopar podcast. This guy stopped recording episodes, and now, now he's putting out these short ones, and now he's talking about a whole different podcast, talking about other cars like frickin' Corvettes. I know you're just losing your minds right now, and I apologize, but, you know, join this little adventure with me. Let's go talk to other people about things outside of the world of Mopar, and of course, Mopars are going to be included, but um, I, I, really wanna, I really want to step outside my comfort zone and uh, talk to some people about their cool rides. I mean, that's fun, right? So, maybe you'll join me on that show, maybe you won't. Um, I'll keep you guys all posted, but... Uh, like I said, talking Mopars hasn't gone anywhere. It's still here. I just got to get my stuff together. You know what I mean? Um, and we're almost there. Uh, when I put out an episode, I put out an episode last night. It was a short version of this High Performance Heritage miniseries. And it was about the Omni GLHS. This one was about the Shelby Dakota. And I knew it would be a short one, but I thought it would be good just to talk about my love for Mopar trucks. And uh, I really wasn't planning on telling you guys about my Corvette. <laughs> I really wasn't. But uh, and for those of you thinking right now, yes, I do have a pair of New Balances. I've had them for a while. Just been waiting for the vet. <laughs> and uh, I do have some jean shorts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the mullet, probably not going to grow a mullet. And I can't grow a mustache for the life of me. So I guess you won't see any of that stuff anytime soon. But um, yeah, it's, it's all in good fun. It's the Trailer Park Viper. Come on. Give me a break. But uh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a Facebook group called Mopars and Corvettes. <laughs> and it, it really made me belly laugh. And they made me a moderator of the group. That's what I think is hilarious. But um, it, it, I, I can't help it. You know, everybody's got a little, a, a little secret side piece. And mine just happens to be this Corvette. But my, my, main, my main ride, my, my bottom B, <laughs> if you know what I mean, um, is this Dart. I love the Dart. I love the Corvette. I can't wait. I'm probably going to have my dad drive the Corvette to car shows so I can park these two pieces of shit next to each other. <laughs> and I say pieces of shit with love. Okay, folks. Um, 
but I, you know, that's, that's this episode. <laughs> um, boy, I think I was talking about my Corvette longer than I was talking about a Shelby Dakota. That's going to be a problem with a lot of people, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I thank you guys anyway. And Hey, if you are a fan of any of these Shelby Dodges and you have a fun Shelby Dodge story that you'd like to share on the show, reach out to me. I'd love to share it while we're still on these episodes. And for those of you that have sent in stories, Oh man, here I go again, saying stuff that I've said before in the past. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm going to have to go through my emails again and find all these stories. Um, I've seen them. Don't worry. It's not about me not wanting to share your stories. It's about getting back into the groove and getting back into the swing of things. So once this little mini series, the high performance heritage mini series of the Shelby Dodge era is over, we're going to try to get back to the way things were. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to develop an idea for a new show. That's going to be supplemental to uh, talking Mopars. And um, if you're thinking to yourself, Chris is kind of crazy. This guy's nuts. <laughs> you're right. I'm absolutely nuts. And if you want to hear exactly how nuts I am, on Saturday nights live on Facebook and YouTube, I now do a show with my good friend, Big Block. Um, and it's about the paranormal and weird shit. <laughs> I got to be honest. Conspiracy theories. Um, we, we dive deep into the subjects that are absolutely insane and we love it. <laughs> it is so much fun to talk about crazy stuff. Um, so you can join us on that show. You can actually find us on YouTube. If you look up talking paranormal and you can find us on Facebook, if you look up talking paranormal. So if, if you're missing me, <laughs> I know a lot of you aren't missing me. You're missing the show. I get it. But uh, if you want to hang out with me on Saturday nights, you can hang out with me in big block. Um, usually at 7 p.m. Pacific and we're, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I've committed to my friend to do this show with them. So we try, we try to get in there every week. I know some weeks, you know, especially during the summer it gets busy with our families and stuff. So we try to make it every week, but it's a lot of fun. And if you're into weirdness or you just want to hear some Looney Tunes talk about <laughs> crazy stuff, join us over on that show. It's called talking paranormal and I love it. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess that's it for this episode, folks. What, what, what Shelby car should we cover on the next episode? I think we're going to talk about the Shelby CSX, another one of my favorite front wheel drive turbo Mopars. So we'll see you when we come back for high performance heritage, the Shelby Dodge era. When we highlight the Shelby CSX. Thanks for listening. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And thank you for listening, and we will see you right here on the next episode. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.